Hey there, I'm Trevor Houston, the creator of the Who You Know Summit, and I'd like to welcome you to the Who You Know Job Networking Show. On our program, we'd like to show you a job search like you've never seen. Everything from getting noticed by employers, how to properly format your resume, and how to network effectively using LinkedIn to drive recruiters to your profile. We even take suggestions from our amazing community. So if you want to learn all things job search, go ahead and subscribe now. Focus. It's all about the job search. So if you want to learn how to land that next success, you heard them. All you got to do is subscribe and ring that bell so you don't miss out on a thing. Welcome to the Who You Know Job Networking Show, where what you that? know is important. But who, who you know? know? Who you Daniel know? Fry, that's who. Who you know can make all the difference in your job search. We're super excited because we've got Daniel Fry. Let me let me read his bio real quick. So Daniel Fry is a retired firefighter that helped start one of the first community health programs in the country. He's the co-founder and SME of FieldMed, a software company that offers community health software, telemedicine, and EMS software. But more importantly, Daniel, I got to know him. And Daniel is a true warrior, okay? Yeah, yeah. His story today is about overcoming obstacles and going from surviving to thriving. So, guys, I'm super excited to have Daniel here with us today. Let's give a round of applause in the comments. All right, Daniel. Uh, and a round of applause. Love it. So, uh, Daniel, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's a great honor. Uh, I got connected to, to you from uh, Elizabeth Haley yeah. uh, from Waldorf yeah, University. Yeah. Well, okay. She was like, you got to meet this guy. Uh, there's something about him. So I connected with you. We had a little Zoom meeting, and I was immediately like, oh, my gosh, got to get this guy on here. Um, tell me some of your backstory. I mean, I know it, but tell right. me, tell the audience some of your backstory. I know you've got a lot of great things going on. You're, you're, you're uh, climbing the mountains, but it hasn't always been that way. It definitely has not always been that way. You know, I, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. When I was nine, my family moved here to um, actually the colony, Texas, back when the colony was just a yeah, little the farm road. Little bitty, yeah, farm yeah. road, just a little <laughs> farming community. Uh, grew up there, went to Louisville High, um, and then I went off in the military. In between the high school and the military, though, I found myself homeless. I uh, lived on my own since I was about 15. Um, it, you know, issues at home, parents, parents got divorced. And... Um, so I was homeless for about three years. My option was the military. I wasn't really wanting to go in the military, yeah. but I picked that as an option. It's one of the best things I ever did. Changed what my branch? Life. I was Army. 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 So, yep. Go I, Army. I was Army um, many, many years ago before Iraq and Afghanistan. But um, <laughs> so I, I joined the military, was there for, uh, did my four years in the military, got out, and um, it's actually a little more. I started in the reserves, loved it, so I went full time. Um, wasn't sure what I was going to do. I really was just lost in where I was going to go after the Army. I wanted to make a career out of it, but they were cutting jobs and cutting bases. So I um, took a job working construction. I worked in Chicago. I kind of wasn't sure where I was going to go. I, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. I looked at a map and went, Chicago. Sounds great. <laughs> why? Why, 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 why? Hold on. I literally just looked at a map and went, Because everybody Chicago. from Chicago is like... Yeah. Go to tech. I'm going to Texas. Right. They're like yeah, trying to get the heck out. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, after just over a year, I went, I'm going to Texas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and y'all got the best I'm from Northern Illinois. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Northern yeah, Illinois. Illinois. Okay, so, and I was born in Cleveland. I'm like, I miss the cold weather. I mean, it's flat, hot in Texas. I'm going to do something a little different. It's now a uh, bad move. But um, not, nothing wrong with Chicago. Just it's not Good me. Good pizza, though. It, 
pizza. Dude, good let pizza. Lou Malnati's. What you talking <laughs> about? pizza. But um, so I got a job with a construction company there working on skyscrapers. So I, I, oh, was, wow. I was a laborer, and uh, I helped uh, set. Oh, wow. Yeah, I helped was set that all mean the you were like stuff. You strapped were up in there. and strapped all in that? 30 yeah. stories oh, up there. Like that. Up oh, there. Dang. Wow. And I lasted about a year, and... Um, and you fell? Yeah. No. It's wintertime, and I'm strapped in, and it's, it's about 20 below. It's cold as snow. And, I'm like, and it's colder yeah. up there. And I'm like, why am yeah. I doing this? Yeah. There's got to be something else. Um, in the meantime, I had met a couple Chicago firefighters. So I'd met them, become friends with them. They lived in my apartment building that I was living in, and um, I started going to my paramedic school there. Um, or start going to EMT school there to get my EMT and move on to paramedic. And uh, I just fell in love with the fire service. I came back to, you know, came, came back here, actually lived in Plano, uh, got hired with the Paris Fire Department. And everybody's like, Paris, why would you move to Plano and then go to the Paris Fire Department? Well, my, my mom's sister lived up in Paris and they're like, hey, they're hiring. So I was like, yeah, it's a yeah. job. Yeah. So I, I got the job there and I worked there for 11 years. Um, wow. Paris fights a lot of fire. It was a lot of fun when you're young. It's awesome and they pay nothing. So, <laughs> so I started looking at career choices and I went, I still want to be a firefighter. I love doing it. I love what I do. Um, but I you need to make some money to pay bills and at least support my family. Uh, McKinney Fire Department was hired in McKinney, Texas. So I applied there and got hired in McKinney, Texas. Um, before I retired, I worked there um, almost 15 years. Wow. So 25 to in total. Yeah. Well, um, I just want to say, first yeah. and foremost, uh, you know, thank you so much for your service. Thank you for your service. Well, thank you. Um, thank you you know, much. not only to the, to the country, but uh, to the communities that you've been serving, you know, all this time. Um, and I know that you, we, you shared something with me mm -hmm. on our Zoom call that, like, it hasn't always been easy. Like, um, you have uh, P PTSD. Uh, yes. Right. Yes, I do. And talk to us a little bit about that. What are some of the challenges that, you know, on a day to day basis that you have to go through? You have to fight through every day just to. So and a lot of this I haven't shared with a lot of people, but um, I mean, a lot of people know, you know, I don't hide the PTSD. I did for a while while I was in the fire service because for many years, if you know, law enforcement, public, any public safety, you, you say that and already they don't think you're fit to do your job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. But stigma. quite honestly, most people that have any time in the fire or law enforcement have PTSD of some sort. Right. Um, but I held it for years after my diagnosis didn't say anything. Um, it was very hard because, you know, you go on calls that remind you of things and you do things that remind you of things and it's, it's hard to deal with. Um, most people with PTSD end up drinking too much. They end up right. divorced, um, drugs, or, drugs yeah. suicides, huge in the fire and law enforcement in the last few years. Oh, wow. um, I, since I was also military and, and have uh, some tours, I go to a group called 22 Kill, and that's actually what my ring is. Yep. It represents 22 yeah, Kill. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, yeah, yeah. so my ring, it's a group called 22 Kill, and they uh, specialize in counseling and outreach groups for first responders and veterans. And 22 Kill stands for 22 veterans a day on average. It, commit suicide oh yeah that's right. so yeah. you wear your ring on the trigger figure to remind you and um so that's so i started going to them and my counselor after a little while he's like i'll back up just a little bit so as i'm in the fire service i'm dealing with the ptsd it's hard things things are rough um i ended up going through a divorce and um uh, 2017, I went through a divorce and it was very hard. We had two kids together. I just adored her. You know, life was good. So I thought I had worked at this point 
22 and a half, 23 years in the fire service, did my military time. You know, I had that, I'm going to retire at 60. Right, and, right. You know, just you know, enjoy life and sit around and do crafts and play with my dog and fish and, you know. Drink lemonade drink on the porch. Drink lemonade on the porch. In your yeah. rocking chair? Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's, who doesn't want to do that, right? I like that. So that was, that was the life <laughs> I had planned out. And, um. That's the direction I was moving, and you know, I had my 401k and put a little money in savings. I had owned a construction company because every firefighter has a job on their days off. <laughs> right. So for many years, <laughs> I did construction. I was able to put some money aside. At this time, I wasn't doing it. I had sold the company um, and put that money aside for my retirement. Yeah. Ended up going through a divorce. Just destroyed me. I was just uh, devastated. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the hard part is, you know, when you're 47... I was 47 time. I'm like, wow, this is not where I want to start life over at 47. Uh, about a month later, I get diagnosed with cancer um, oh, due to the fire service. It was contributed 100% to the fire service. The hard part is cities and fire departments uh, don't want to recognize it because they don't want to pay for it. It costs them too much money. So you're kind of left to deal with it on your own. Mm -hmm. And I was left to deal with it on my own. So the other thing that I was facing is with the divorce, I had, you know, 50% custody of two kids that were with me a lot of the time. And then I still had all the bills. Um, you know, she didn't take the bills with her. She just, she just left. She just left. Yeah. So I still had the bills. So I was able to pay bills and everything. But then when I get diagnosed with cancer, one of the things that I was afraid of was being put on um, workman's comp or sick leave yeah. or yeah. disability where I get 60% of my pay. Cause I was having a hard time as it was just paying everything we had before. And, um, so what I, <laughs> I made a very conscious decision not to tell anybody at my work. Um, well, I told my, my immediate supervisor and the chief chief of the department. That way, if I had to take off, they knew. I kept it from my kids. Um, I didn't even explain to my ex-wife the treatments I was going through, friends. I, I kept it to myself because I was afraid that if word got out, I would be sent home from work and I couldn't afford to pay my bills. I ended up, I would go to shift and it's 24 on 48 off. I would go to my shift and I worked the whole shift. And then the next morning I go do a treatment. And sometimes I'd have to sit at the hospital for two or three hours to get myself home because I couldn't get home. And I literally lived straight down the same street. The hospital's on two miles, but I'd have to wait a few hours because I couldn't get in my car and make it home. Then I go home, I sleep for a couple of days and I go back to shift. And I did that through all my treatment and I didn't tell everybody at work until afterwards. Um, so. I kept doing that. I went through all that. And um, in the meantime, while I was doing this, my medical bills mounted like incredible. Oh, yeah. They Anybody, I, it's hard enough with insurance. I don't know how anybody does it without insurance. Just, yeah. just the medication alone was costing me a paycheck. And that was my that was my side of the medication after insurance was costing me almost a full paycheck. And I'm trying to pay a mortgage and kids and car payments and insurance and on and on and on. Um, over the course of the next two years, um, it was harder and harder for me to do my job. Finally, I got through the treatments and I was healthy enough. I went into remission. I was healthy enough to work, but it was still a little difficult. Um, during that time, I ended up blowing through all the savings I had that I saved up with the construction company. I ended up um, getting to the point where <laughs> Field Med, the company I have now, the night and I'll get a little more in the field, but the night I went to go sign the contract with the business partners, um, the next morning I'm signing this business part contract with these partners. I wake up that morning to go get my truck and go there. 
and I have no truck. It got oh, repoed no. the night before. Oh, man. So I had to find a ride to go get, to sign this contract with this, you know, big company. And uh, I had to find a ride to get there because my truck got repossessed. And then when we finally came out, <laughs> then when we finally did the deal and we, we, you know, after the deal was finally done and we're going forward, I come home, everything's great. You know, I'm, I've already dealt with the truck a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. I get a letter in the middle of my house is in repossession. Mm. So it's in foreclosure. My house is yeah. in foreclosure. So I was dealing with all that. Um, there were times when I would get my kids and I was just, I did not know what to do. Um, my 50% of the time I'd get my kids and I was worried, how am I going to feed them? I had no food in the house and I'm like, how am I going to, you know, get food from the store and stuff? So I would, you know, save up a few dollars and get them Sonic McDonald's, whatever. And I would just skip my meals. I would just skip and I was eating like once a day. So, so I, you know, I would like to, you know, reset the stage here yeah. for the audience. I think there's so many things like it seems like there was this domino effect right you know and mm-hmm. in you know ptsd uh you know you, you you were going through a divorce uh at the same time having you know getting uh, uh cancer fighting that medical bills uh you know having to make the decision of paying those bills or you know yeah like what to eat yep paying the medical bills or paying your car note right car gets repoed you know houses in uh foreclosure how like but things are a little di- different today things are way different today things are incredible today praise um, god oh that's the only way i've gotten through everything is just i've i've asked god in every every step you know hey show me the direction lead me i get up i pray every night and i pray every morning just show me the direction i need to go show me what i'm gonna do i've been doing this all on my own my way and here i am i need mm-hmm. a different way because my way is not working and my way was not working so whatsoever that yeah, I mean, before you get into like overcoming it, like, I mean, that's that's pretty low, right? You, you're, I mean, you it sounds like you were just at an extreme low point. How how did you get through that? Well, <laughs> I was very low. It, it was very low. There, there were many times where I'm like, I'm done with this. I just I don't want to do it anymore. I at the, after when everything finally hit, I was about 50 years old. I'm 50 years old and I'm single, a single dad. I had my truck repoed, my house is in foreclosure, I don't have a wow. dime to my name, and I'm having a hard time doing my job because I couldn't f- physically, I was having a hard time doing my job. Um, yeah, I was very low. And to the point where <laughs> my counselor at 22 Kill uh, put me in for a service dog and recommended me for a service dog because, and, and that's when I went, oh my gosh, I'm at the point where I have to have a service dog. I have to have a dog to deal with my life. And, and it, it just, you know, it, yes, it was very hard. What got me through it, honestly, were friends. Just reaching out and, and, and people and just praying to God that it's going to change. And I started a community health program, like Trevor was saying. I was seeing these patients. And these were patients that were, the hospitals were having a hard time dealing with. They, they couldn't figure out how to fix them. They were patients that were uninsured, underinsured, had no clue how to take care of themselves and it, it it was on all sides of town it wasn't your your poor it wasn't your rich it was everywhere yeah. and so yeah. they were yeah they were calling in right like they were making uh 911 calls and emergency calls exactly uh just tell, tell them about that so yeah so the way it, it started was they were making all these calls uh to 911 and some of them would just need a meal but we wouldn't know why. And they'd tell us, well, I'm having chest pain or breathing difficult, just so they can go to hospital and have a meal. Some were doing that because they had nobody to talk to. They're just home alone by themselves. Some of them didn't know the right time or to or not to call 911. 
Um, so um, I worked with some firefighters at, in, at the fire department, a medical director, and we put this program together where we would go out and see patients. Uh, we reached out to them and said, hey, we can help you. Instead of calling 911, let us come see you. So instead of sending an ambulance and a fire truck, we would get in a, we had a pickup truck. We were still firefighters. We carried all our gear. We carried all the medical gear. We went to extra school, got higher trained so we would understand what's going on. And we would go teach them about congestive heart failure, COPD, diabetes, whatever. We'd help them get their medications. We'd help them get signed up with Medicare and Medicaid. We'd help them with getting wheelchairs I and walkers. That. We would help them get meals on wheels. I mean, I had one lady that called 59 times before she got in the program in 10 months. And after that, she called 11 times in the next three years. So hold on, hold on. Let's rewind that. So she called how many times? 59 in 10 months. 59 times she called 911 in, in, 10, in months. 10 months just because she needed food, needed support, encouragement, something. So with her, it was food. It's food. She, uh, she needed food. Um, we did not, on the ambulance, when they call you, you go, you put them in there, and you take them. Mm -hmm. You take care of that issue that's going on right then. Well, if you don't see an issue, you kind of just transport them, hand them off to the hospital. They let her go if they can't find an issue. So when we started this community health program, she was one of our first patients that we took on. And uh, when we started looking at her history, she was calling about 11 to 12 o'clock every day. Mm. So what she would do is she was getting a ride to the hospital. She'd get lunch, and she'd get walk lunch. home. And she was usually leaving the hospital before we cleared in the ambulance. Mm. She'd get her food, go home. So the problem was, <laughs> here's, the, here's the amazing story, is she lived literally right across the street from Meals on Wheels. Oh, I could throw a rock through their front door. It no. was literally, here's her house right there across the street was Meals on Wheels. The problem was she wasn't old enough to qualify. They have uh. an age. So I went over there, and it, it means a little more when you go over there in a fire department uniform and a fire truck. Mm -hmm. And I told them, the, the people that were around, I said, look. You guys want to help the community. You want to do something right. I said, that lady over there that lady. needs help more than anybody. <laughs> That's the lady right there. So they, because of the delivery and stuff and age limits, we would go to Meals on Wheels once a week, and we'd pick up a week's worth of food and bring it to her. Nice. And she stopped calling 911, and we helped her with it. She did have legit medical issues, too. Yeah. Right. And exacerbate over time if she didn't you know, get the help, and then she'd end up in the hospital. But um, we helped her get her medication and other things. We found out she was illiterate. She couldn't read or write. Oh, and wow. um, so we helped, <laughs> we would get her frozen food from uh, Meals on Wheels and we'd come back and she still had all the food. That's because she didn't have a microwave. Uh, so we got our microwave. We come back and we found out that all the food's still there. She didn't know how to use a microwave because she couldn't read the numbers and stuff. So I just told her, I said, open the door, put it in, push that button right there. So. She learned them. So it's just things like that. So so what you ended up doing is, you know, you're going through all of this, um, you know, as I mentioned before, kind of a domino effect in your life, yes. hitting kind of rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And then you're serving the community, actually solving a problem, figuring out a solution to a problem that was going on. And now things are a little bit, uh, a little bit different. You've got a business uh, and, and things are growing for yep. you. And yep. Uh, I'm excited. I want to lean into that, but I'm going to put the audience on a cliffhanger. So, guys, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back, and uh, you're going to hear a whole lot more from Daniel Fry. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Trevor Houston here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Who You Know Job Networking Show. We hope you've been inspired, encouraged, educated, and entertained all at the same time. For information on our different events, workshops, partners, or partnership opportunities available, check out whoyouknow.show for more details. And be on the lookout for our new mobile app coming soon. You never know how this show could help someone you know. You know, and if we've made an impact or put a smile on your face today, don't forget to hit that share button on your way out. Until next week, it's all about who you know. Bye.